0: You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. How's everybody this morning? How's everybody this morning? That first good is like I think a lot of us have felt. There's a lot of flu bug and stuff. You know, going around. My wife and I have both been sick this past week. It was a little gift one of our daughters came and gave us, and then she left and left us um, flat on our back on the couch watching movies uh, earlier during this week, which wasn't entirely of a bad thing because and, and, uh, it gave me an opening for the message today. Because uh, I'm watching the movies, and, and one of the things I was minded of watching the movies is that most of the stories that we love. All begin and end the same way. They all start with some variation of "once upon a time," and they all end with some variation of "and they lived happily." Y'all are with me, right? Everybody, it's not that cold. They they all. I mean, we love happy endings. I mean, the, the, the very, our very favorite stories, they all have happy endings. Every once in a while, we like an ending with a little bit of a twist or, you know, maybe something open-ended that'll, that'll get us thinking a little bit. But for the most part, what we want in the stories, that we, the movies we watch, the books we read, uh, the stories we tell, we want a happy ending. We, we want the, the evil villain to be defeated. We want the underdog team to win the championship. We, we want the two star-crossed lovers to finally reunite and to fall in love and to kiss at midnight as the snow is falling on Christmas Eve. We watched a movie last night, and that's exactly what happened. In Los Angeles, of all places, uh, they made it snow. I mean, we, we want a happy ending. And I'm convinced it's because we want to know that the stories of our lives are going to have a happy ending. And sometimes we're not sure that they are. I mean, we hope so. But, but at times, and, and, and you know this because you live in a real world. At, at times it feels like the evil villain is winning. And, and at times it seems like we're, we're just going to lose again. We're, we're never going to win. And, 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 and sometimes it feels like we're never going to experience the love that our hearts are longing to experience. And, and we believe in happy endings. And, and we're hoping for a happy ending. But, but sometimes we're just not sure that's how our story is going to end. And, and it may be that, you know, here we are on the very last day of, of 2023. And it may be that you're kind of sitting here thinking, yeah, I, I don't know how my story is going to end. I'm facing a health issue. I got a call from a friend this morning. They're facing a health issue right now. And uh, they don't know how it's going to turn out. And and, and you may be there. Or or you may be looking at the stack of bills that that piled up over over the last several weeks. And you're just thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Or or there may be a a relationship, and you've made nice through the holidays. But, you know, the the brokenness is still there. And you just don't know how the story is going to end. And, and you're hoping for a happy ending, but, but you're just not sure. And, and, and what I want to share with you today as we, we wrap up this series of walking through the Bible is the, this good news, I believe this is part of the good news of great joy that, that the angels proclaimed, your story can have a happy ending. Because the big story, the overarching story, it, the words happy ending don't begin to capture How awesome of an ending that turns out to be just the beginning. So I'm going to show you that. We've been working our way. We started back on January 1. We began uh, the new year uh, not with the words once upon a time, but with the words in the beginning. And uh, we opened up our Bibles to Genesis 1-1, and we started a journey of just working our way through the entire Bible, and along the way, if you've been with us this year, along the way, we have met prophets and kings, and we had Christmas in July, and we had Easter in September, and, uh, and what we've discovered at, at each step along the way is that the entire story is the gospel story. where word gospel means good news. It's the whole Bible is the good news about Jesus, it's all his story. It's all his story. Well, today, December 31st, I just love the way the symmetry worked out this year. We get to the very last day of the year, and we're going to be in the very last book, the very last pages of the very last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation. We've been in it for a couple weeks. Find a Bible. There's some in the racks in front of you, or maybe you brought one with you, or you got it on a tablet like this. Uh, find a Bible and open it up to the last books. Easy to find, Revelation. And uh, and we're going to be uh, kind of starting in chapter 19 and, and looking at some passages that, that go on from there. So, so go ahead and, and uh, kind of put a finger in it at chapter 19 for a moment. The, the book of Revelation was written at least in part. Uh, J- John, uh, Jesus' disciple, dis- uh, receives this revelation and he receives it and then writes it down in the book And at least in part to encourage us about how things are going to end. To, to encourage us when we're wondering, how, how are things going to turn out? Uh, is, you know, is, is the evil villain going to be defeated? Uh, is, is the team going to win the championship? Am I going to experience the love that I'm longing for? The the, the book of Revelation is written, at least in part, to encourage us of that. And, uh, and if you've been reading through the Bible this year, and uh, a number of you have joined with us, we uh, on Sunday mornings we kind of hit highlights, uh, but throughout the week a number of us have been reading every word, of, of every page. It's, it's a habit I do every year, and I'll start again, fresh again tomorrow, but, the, uh, but, but today we wrapped up, and I saw a couple people make comments on it, those who are using the Bible app. Somebody wanted to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. I don't know if Beth Bynum's here. Or is she serving upstairs today? I can't see upstairs. Is Beth up there? Yeah. Beth, do you want to sing Hallelujah Chorus now, or do you want to do it later? I can bring you down front. and uh, no, you know, So some of us have been reading all the way through, and if you've been reading it, you've been, we've been in Revelation all week. And the, the, uh, this revelation, this vision that John receives, is just filled with just strange images. And, and, uh, and, and this week, we've seen horsemen and seals being broken and bowls of wrath being poured out. I mean, it's just, it, there's just been a lot going on uh, over this past week. And, and a lot of it is mysterious for us, and it, it's hard to interpret Uh, But there are some things in in Revelation that are just crystal clear. Crystal clear that that come out through the story. Um, One of those things is this. Uh, Things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. Things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. If you you study history, and I, I love study history, Uh, If you study history, one one of the things that you discover is that the world, although there are a lot of advances that take place in the world, and the world you could argue is more comfortable or convenient than it was in in past times, but the world's not getting better. And uh, you just look at the news over the last couple of months and it just reinforces that. The, The world's not getting better. And from the beginning of history, again, if you study history, every kingdom, every nation, every culture of people, at some point along the way, become disobedient to God. And there are times that some parts of the world flourish while other parts suffer, and then sometimes that flip-flops, you know, along the way. But the world's not getting better. And it's not going to. Uh, scripture actually promises this. If, if you read Scripture, when Jesus taught about the end days, and he didn't do it much, but when Jesus taught about the end of times, Jesus actually told us that things are going to get worse, not better. This is in Matthew 24. Jesus says, for the tribulation will be unparalleled. Hardships of a magnitude that has not been seen since creation and will not be seen again. That's Jesus' promising things aren't going to get better and better and then i'll come back jesus says things are going to get worse and worse and then i'll come back again if you've been reading through revelation this week i mean again these bowls of wrath being poured out and horsemen and seals being broken i mean a tribulation of a magnitude that's hard for us to imagine but part of the message of revelation is that don't don't expect things to keep getting better they're, they're not that things aren't getting better now that doesn't mean in, in the midst of all that we can't make a difference in the world and of course we can and, and we can certainly make a difference in the lives of individuals jesus calls us to be bearers of his kingdom. And our homes and schools and neighborhoods and workplaces, to be giving people a glimpse of, of what his new creation is going to look like. Of course, we are called to do that and, and to provide hope. But we never want to kind of fool ourselves into thinking that if we just work hard enough, we can, re, we can recreate the world, that, that we can make this world a better place. We can't do that on our own our rescue has to come from somewhere else from someone else and 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 that's another thing that revelation reveals to us that the the world is is getting progressively worse but god has a plan to put it all back right again but our rescue doesn't come from us working really hard to improve things our rescue comes from heaven Our, our, our rescue comes from heaven When you read through Revelation, one of the things that you see is that all of the action, the the bowls of wrath being poured out, the horsemen being sent out, the seals being broken, all starts in heaven. The consuming fire that comes down, it all comes down from heaven. Our our rescue comes from heaven. And you get to chapter 19, and, and we're given this picture of Jesus victorious. Beautiful picture of Jesus victorious. It starts in verse 11. Follow along with me. John's, John's having this vision. And John says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadem. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The victory, who, the, the, who's going to make this world right again, is, is not our, our hard work or hard, hard effort. Our victory is going to come from heaven. The, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is victorious. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. There you go. Wake up. You gotta wake up. Now, in, in, until he comes to, to bring that victory, again, of, of course we're called to be bearers of his kingdom out into the world. I, I love the way one of his disciples, Peter, and Peter was just this no nonsense kind of guy, I just did it real practically. Peter said, Listen, in, in the midst of all this, you, you gotta live your life in such a way. that that people on the outside will notice and and will praise God and and give glory to him on that day that he comes in victory. But the victory comes from heaven, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, And in this vision, John says that victory will be the source of such joy and such happiness. It is the happiest of happily ever after endings happy ever after to begin to capture the kind of joy that that comes with the victory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords still in chapter 19 look up to verse 7. Uh, John says that because of this victory of heaven now is the time for joy and happiness and and then this section continues using an image that gets used a lot in the New Testament um, to talk about Jesus and the church that's us and, uh, and it's the image of a bride and a groom, and Jesus is the bride, and we the church. Uh, I mean, Jesus is the groom, and uh, we the church. We are the bride, and, and so this image of bride and groom shows up a lot. It does here in chapter nineteen again. So it, it continues. It says, "Now is the time for joy and happiness. He, the, the 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 victorious one, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he deserves all the glory we can give him, for the wedding feast has begun." The marriage of the lamb to his bride has commenced, and his bride has prepared herself for this glorious day. I, I love weddings uh, I, I got to do one for a friend 's daughter just a couple weeks ago and uh, it was a big, fancy wedding. It was up in New York. And uh, so we we'd kind of gathered from all over the country to be there for we, it. Was real, we got dressed up. I mean, it was a black tie wedding, so it was kind of fun. Everybody was really decked out in this great, great wedding. But, you know, and, but I was thinking whether the wedding is this kind of big formal affair like that one was, or I've done weddings that are just a couple of people in the courtyard and, uh, you know, with, with a few, you know, family. They're all times of this great, great joy. And I have a couple of favorite moments in in, in the midst of the wedding. Uh, One of my favorite moments is uh, when the, uh, the groom sees the bride coming down the aisle. And I've discovered it doesn't matter whether they've had a first look or a second look or how many looks. Um, but there's that kind of moment when the, the, everyone stands up and the music kind of changes and, and the bride comes around the corner. And I, just, I, I find myself every time, I, I've done hundreds of weddings, but every time I do a wedding, I, I watch the groom's face and he just kind of lights up when he, you know, when he sees it. And those are guys here who are married. You remember how you felt, right? I mean, look at her right now and just say, yeah, I still feel that way. I'm just giving you a gift. Just take it if you want. Um, I mean, there's just kind of, there's just such joy on, on the face of, of the groom when that happens, I, without fail, you know, every time it happens. And, and my other favorite moment in the wedding is toward the very, very end. And, uh, and, and we've done all the vows and we made all the promises and they've sung the songs and exchanged the rings and everything is, you know, it's gone. Uh, you know, we're, we're, now we're done. And there's this kind of sense of relief that, that things are being done. And, uh, and I think that's part of why, why couples like this moment so much. But I always end weddings the same way. I give the same benediction that I, I give here uh, most Sunday mornings. You know, I, I give a benediction, a blessing, and, uh, and then I, I'll turn to the groom and I'll say, you know, and I'll, I'll just say, you know, so David, why don't you kiss your wife? You know, kind of like, you can kiss her if you want. I mean, yeah, or not, that's okay. Um, uh, but it's just kind of a cool moment in the room there's always just kind of joy in the room and they kiss and um and you know there's just i mean there's just such joy in the room because there's what we're celebrating is god's taking these two that have been apart and he's putting them together in this mystery of one down together in the perfect unity of his love and uh and it's just such a moment of joy y'all know weddings i mean they're just such moments of joy Which makes it the perfect analogy for for Jesus coming back to us, the the bride, the groom, and uh, being being reunited. And and, and so John says in his vision, now is the time for joy and happiness because the bride and groom are together. They're together. They've been separated. Back in January, we discovered... We just couldn't resist the temptation to try to be like God. And and sin entered the world and it separated us from him. But God had a plan from the very beginning to to, to reunite us. For heaven and earth to be reunited again to the way things were in the beginning. For earth and, and heaven, as the old hymn says, for earth and heaven to be one. To come back together again. Like a bride and a groom come together in a wedding feast. Now is the time for joy and for happiness. Because the bride and the groom are united. And so you flip over to chapter 21. Go ahead and flip over to chapter 21 you get a picture. Here's, here's what that reunion looks like. Starting in verse 1, John says in, in his vision, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things. if you're wondering today if your story is going to have a happy ending it's going to have the happiest of endings every tear is going to be wiped away death is no longer going to be a part of the story no no more pain no more suffering no no more separation from, from the God who loves you and loves you completely because he made you Heaven and earth, one, re, re, reunited. Now, when that's going to happen, I, I've got no idea. In fact, no, no one on earth and only one in heaven has any idea exactly when that is going to happen. And, and I know it's, it's tempting. Uh, some, some, some people spend a lot of time and a lot of energy, uh, too much time and energy, I believe, trying to figure out the events and, and figure out the timing and then exactly, what, you know, when's this going to take place? I, I, I had someone ask me a couple of weeks ago, how many, how many seals do you think have been broken? You know, that, you know where, where are we living in right now? I have no idea. I, I, I have no idea. I, 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 people write books on this stuff, uh, predicting the exact day and time that, you know, Jesus is going to come and this new make, make all things right. And, and then the day comes and goes, and they have to reprint the book with, the, with a new date and time. I, I came across this recently. I, I'm not making this up. Um, what one writer is convinced that the building blocks for the new temple in Jerusalem have already been constructed, and, and they are numbered, and they are waiting assembly. And according to this writer, they are stored in Kmarts all across the United States. And uh, I didn't even know Kmart was still a thing. And um, so I, I, they may need to move them. Um, Jesus said, y'all know this, Uh, this is Acts 1, Jesus says the Father on his own authority has determined the ages and epochs of history and you have not been given this knowledge. In uh, Mark 16, 13, Mark 13, Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour when the end is coming. Angels in heaven don't know. (laughs) The Son doesn't know, only the Father. When all the events take place, you know, we don't know, we don't know. And exactly what happens when we die is is we've been kind of working our way through Revelation. Probably the number one question people have asked me on on the side is, you know, so what happens when I die? When's all this going to take place? What happens when I die? You know, it's interesting. The writers of the New Testament are really not very interested in what happens when we die. uh, there's a sense and you know Jesus tells the thief on the cross you're gonna be with me today in paradise Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ and so there's a sense that when we die we're present with Christ but the writers of the New Testament weren't all that interested in life after death what they were really interested in is life after life after death and the life after life after death is what's promised in Revelation heaven and earth are one a new Jerusalem a new heaven United together, God not distant, but God with his people, our God with us, wiping away every tear from every eye. No more pain, no more suffering, no more death. Creation restored. And at the end of the days, for for those who follow Jesus, it's not the end, it's a new beginning. A new beginning and a recreated heaven and earth, things restored to the way they were at the very start. And that's what we look forward to the return of Jesus to put things right, to establish his kingdom and his justice for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be victorious. That is a day of great joy and happiness. That's the happy ending our hearts are longing for. And, And to put our hope, to pin our hopes on anything else To to pin our hopes on us working really hard to somehow make this world a better place. To to pin our hopes on things just kind of turning out, you know, maybe okay in the end. To to, to pin our hopes on anything other than the return of Jesus to put things right. It it just leads to disappointment. Our, Our hope, our true hope, our real hope is in heaven and earth reuniting as the King of Kings and the Lord of lords is victorious. That is a day not to dread, but, but to anticipate, but with excitement, because it is going to be a happy day. Oh, it's going to be a day filled with joy. So until that day, here's what we do. Uh, Peter, again, Jesus' disciple Peter real, Peter, real plain-spoken guy. Uh, Peter says, here's what we do as we wait on that day, from, from a second letter that Peter wrote, Second Peter 3. Peter says, knowing that one day all this will come to pass, and, and Peter's been talking about the same thing, Jesus coming again. Think what sort of people you ought to be. Think about how you should be living faithful and godly lives, waiting hopefully and hastening the coming of God's day. I, it's just such great advice. Think of how you should live. Think about your relationships with with your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. Think about the way you manage your time. Think about the way you manage your money. Think about the way you manage your emotions. Ask yourself, end of a year, beginning of a new year, it's a great time to to kind of be thinking, okay, am am I living faithfully? Am I living godly? Jesus came to to show us a a better way to live. Am I I living into that way? Could could, could I do it a little more fully? Could I trust him even more? Might might that make a difference in in, in my family, in in my friendships, at school or at work? Live faithfully, live live godly. And, And I love the way Peter says, and hasten the day, hasten the day. Uh, Again, this day of Jesus returning, it's not a day to dread. It's a day that we anticipate. It's a day that we look forward to. So you get to the very last words of Revelation, the very last words of the Bible. Go ahead and turn to chapter 22. you got a Bible in front of you, chapter 22. (laughs) Last two verses, verses 20 and 21. You find a promise and our response to that promise and then a blessing. Promise, our response to the promise, and a blessing. Here's the promise, verse, verse 20. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon. Surely I am coming soon. Now, John wrote this 2,000 years ago, so God's definition of soon and my definition of soon. It's kind of like when my kids were, you know, we had three daughters and getting everybody ready to go somewhere. Are you all ready? We'll be ready soon. I mean, soon can mean anything from five minutes to two hours. Um, I, and I don't know what soon means for Jesus because his timing is not my timing. But, but I know this, his timing is perfect. And, and I can trust it. Jesus, Here's the promise. Jesus says, surely... I am coming soon. You can trust that he's coming. He's coming back and he comes at the right time. And so our response to that, verse 20 continues, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, When when John wrote this, and and he's writing in Greek, but here in this section he used an Aramaic word, and this word some of you all might be familiar with, it's the word Maranatha. Everybody say Maranatha. Maranatha. It's an Aramaic world. Aramaic was the language that John and and Jesus and the other disciples would have spoken. They knew Hebrew. They wrote in Hebrew. Or the Greek was kind of the common writing language of the day. uh, And the business language. But Aramaic, that was what they spoke. That was natural. Uh, Maranatha is an Aramaic phrase. And it's interesting. You can, depending on how you divide up the word, uh, it can have two slightly different meanings. If, if you read it, and this way we mostly read it as Maranatha, it means come, Lord Jesus. And the idea is to kind of come quickly. You said you're coming soon. Come on and come quickly, Lord Jesus. We, we can sure you some rescue now. Come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha would, would mean that. But, but if you divide the word a little bit differently and you pronounce it Maranatha, it means the Lord has come. And, and I'm convinced that as John's writing this, John says, I'm going to get kind of clever here. And, and I'm going to say two things at once. Maranatha, the Lord has come. He, he came. He, he came, and, and uh, he poured all the, the glory of heaven into frail human flesh. And he came to live among us to bring light into the darkness. He came to dwell with us, and then to offer himself for us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that one day, Maranatha, he could come again, and, and heaven and earth could be reunited. I, I believe it in this, list, this, our response. We're crying out both things. Maranatha, our Lord has come. Maranatha, Lord, come again. And, and come quickly, if you would. Because when you come, then we receive the blessing. That's the last verse of the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. And when he comes again... His grace and His mercy and His love will will, will recreate all of us, will will recreate this world, and we will experience fully that grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're wrapping up 2023. We've made our way through the entire Bible. But, But we get to the end, and it's not the end just the beginning it's just the beginning of a life that is filled with grace and love and mercy and peace peace beyond what you can begin to understand when you you put your trust in Jesus and and you ask him to to come not, not just to make the world right again but to come to you to help make your world right again and so I want to take just a moment as, as we wrap up this year to, to give you an opportunity to do that. And, and if you would, just bow your head and, and close your eyes for a moment. And on this last day of the year, in, in the quiet of the room, but maybe this needs to be your, your response, your, your prayer. Lord, you have come. You came to me when I didn't deserve it. You came to me to to, to restore me, to love me, to to make me part of your family, to let me know that I'm I'm your beloved daughter, I'm your beloved son. You you've come to me, Maranatha, Lord, would you come again? And those places in my life where where right now I I, I'm just not sure how the story is going to end. Would, would you come and, and would you remind me that, that your power is available to be at work in my life right here, right now? To do a new thing in me as, as we head into this new year. To recreate me just as you promised to recreate all, all of creation. Maranatha, Lord, Lord, would you come? Would you come and bring the, the peace that only you can provide? Would you come and and, and would you show me your way to live and to love, to give and to forgive, to to manage everything that you entrust to me? Maranatha, Lord, would you come? Would you come and and, and dwell within me to to lead me and and to guide me into the year that, that you have in store? Maranatha, Lord Jesus, would you come to me now? My, my heart's open to you. And Lord, come in a fresh in a new way. Come to encourage, to inspire, to, to fill my heart with, with the light that we've we sung about throughout out this Christmas season, the hope and the great joy. Maranatha, Lord, come and, and write your story in my life. And as you do, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with me. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HBC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvillepres.org.